Thanks for joining us at the Montrose Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at montrosechurch.org. Have a great day. Good morning, good morning. Um, so good to be with you. Let me just pray for that, for Mike and the team and just the situation over there. Would you pray with me real quick? Gracious God, thanks again for this morning and the worship that we've had. And God, we just ask that you be with Mike and the team. And we're so thankful for them to, that they're going and answering the call. So would you be with them? Give them strength. Help it go smoothly. Be there for those Ukraine kids. And God, just that whole situation in the midst of the craziness in the war. Would you be there? We love you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Good morning, church. Doing okay? Feeling good? Two weeks in a row with me. I'm excited. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, continuing to think and pray for Pastor Dave and Cindy and Scott and Beth and the whole team. I know we saw the little video, saw them all. Uh, it was cool Pastor Dave got to pray, but we're thinking and praying for them this morning. Part three of our Lent series, Rivers in the Wilderness. Rivers in the Wilderness. It's kind of our Lent series on our way to the cross and the resurrection, right? Easter Sunday. And I want to ask you right away, how are you doing with the thing that you gave up for Lent? Doing okay with that? Or maybe you added something, which is good. You can do that as well. It's not too late to give up something or add something for Lent, if you want to jump in on that. Um, recap. Two weeks ago, Pastor Dave talked about Abraham and promises, and sometimes the promises we see and the promises we don't see, and talked about how God's covenant promise to Abraham to be the father of a nation that would bless all nations. Last week, if you were here, you watched online, I talked about Exodus 3 and Moses encountering God in the burning bush, and that connects well with our text and story for this morning. We're going to talk about Israel in Exodus 19. And the title of this morning's message is Calling in the Wilderness. Calling in the Wilderness. In writing, every great story begins with a call. Now, not a phone call necessarily, right? Unless you're Liam Neeson, but... <laughs> Thanks, Brad. But there's a call, a call to something more. There's a situation that's broken or mundane or some kind of captivity or bondage. And there's a call for a person or a group of people to make that situation better. Uh, to begin a new adventure, to rise up and answer the call. Here's a few examples. Luke Skywalker, the lowly farmhand. His aunt and uncle are killed by an oppressive empire, and he answers the call to go and fight this empire and bring peace to the land of Star Wars. Okay. Frodo Baggins in Lord of the Rings, a simple hobbit who lives in the gentle community called the Shire. He finds out he has this ring in his possession that has crazy amounts of power, but this ring is evil. And so he answers the call to take this journey and destroy the ring and bring peace to the land of Lord of the Rings. Katniss Everdeen in the Hunger Games answers the call to step in for her little sister and, and be a part of the deadly Hunger Games. 
Now, these are just some action movie examples. But calls and a calling takes place in all kinds of different stories, all kinds of different movies, all kinds of different books. And in Scripture, we, kind, we find all kinds of stories of calling. The calling of Abraham, which Pastor Dave talked about a couple weeks ago. The calling of Samuel to be God's prophet and God's messenger. The call of David, who's the runt of the litter, but answers the call to be the king of Israel. The call of Mary to give birth and be the mother of the Savior of the world. The call of Peter to follow Jesus and fish for people. And the call of Moses, which we talked a little bit last week, encounters God in the burning bush. And God calls him to go tell Pharaoh, it's over. You're done. It's time to get my Israelites out of Egypt. And that connects well with where we're going this morning. Exodus 19, 1 through 8. And let me just add a little more context here and connect our weeks. So we began with Abraham in the wilderness, talking about promises, and specifically the covenant promise that he would be a father to a nation that would bless all nations. And through some different struggles and scenarios, when Abraham got it right, and sometimes he got it wrong, but eventually that promise begins to take fruition, right? Israel grows. And we fast forward to Israel then being in Egypt, in bondage, in slavery, and enter Moses, who actually grew up in the palace and then ran away from Pharaoh. God calls him to go get Israel out of Egypt. God hears the cries of his people. And after some excuses, right, some questions, some doubts from Moses, he goes, because God continually reminds him, hey, I'm with you. I'm with you as you go and talk to Pharaoh. So there's a battle between Pharaoh and God, right, with some plagues and, and some different things. And finally, Israel is on their way out of Egypt. And they pass through the Red Sea with the waters parted. They get to the other side and the Egyptians are washed away by the waters. And now Israel is a free people, a free people, but still a long ways from the promised land, a free people, but in the wilderness, in the wilderness. And that's where we are as we uh, jump into our text for this morning. Exodus 19, 1 through 8. If you have your Bibles, if you have your Bible app, and if you don't, it's okay because we'll have it on the screens here. Exodus 19, 1 through 8. On the first day of the third month after the Israelites left Egypt on that very day, they came to the desert of Sinai. After they set out from Rephidim, they entered the desert of Sinai, and Israel camped there in the desert in front of the mountain. Then Moses went up to God, and the Lord called him from the mountain and said, This is what you are to say to the descendants of Jacob and what you are to tell the people of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. So Moses went back and summoned the elders of the people and set before them all the words of the Lord had commanded him to speak. The people all responded together, we will do everything the Lord has said. So Moses brought their answer back to the Lord. So in this text at Mount Sinai, God reminds Moses of the promise that first came to Abraham and is continuing to the Israelites. If Israel obeys to the terms of the covenant, they will be so shaped by God's laws, his teachings, his justice, that they will become a set-apart holy nation for God, 
a kingdom of priests, which means his representatives to the world. And they answer the call. In verse 8, we will do everything the Lord has said. They are excited to be God's representatives. They are excited to be the light to all nations. Point number one for us this morning, church, is God's calling. God's calling. How is it that you came to know Jesus? When was it that you began to follow God? Maybe it was at this church. Maybe it was at another church. Maybe it was just a couple years ago, or maybe it was a long time ago. Maybe you grew up in a Christian home, but at some point you decided, hey, I want to make this faith my own. Or maybe there was a situation or a, right, a, a broken scenario, a tragedy that led you to God, led you to Jesus, and you found out that Jesus is, in fact, near to the brokenhearted. Or maybe... You're here in this room or watching online, right? And, and if we're honest, we've never answered the call of God. We've never known Christ. And my prayer for all of us, church, is whether we've answered that call one time or many times, or we've never answered that call, that this morning we would answer God's call, that it would be a reminder of our mission as God's people and his representatives. And what is the call? It's a whisper, a feeling, a longing, a desire to be more, an ache in my heart and soul that says there has to be something more. It's something that tells us that the creator of the universe, God, loves us and cares about us. And we are broken, but Jesus died for us. He conquered sin and death. And by God's amazing wisdom and grace, we have the option to respond to this call. He doesn't force us. We have the option. God calls people throughout all of Scripture, as we've kind of discussed a little bit. He calls people to be his hands and feet, his agents, his kingdom workers, and he calls us to the same. And your call doesn't have to be extraordinary, right, some magnificent, crazy circumstance. That could be it. But our calls can be ordinary and simple, right? But God is calling Provenient grace is this theological term that means God's grace is calling us. God's grace is wooing us back to God's self. So even if we've never known Christ or heard the name of Jesus or wanted anything to do with Christianity, God's grace is still working in people's lives and calling them to God. And some of you can testify to this. You look back on your life and say, wow, that, that was God. I wasn't even following God, but that was him. His grace was working in my life. And the truth is, church, we're children of God long before we realize it. He is calling. His provenient grace surrounds us. Okay, kind of a random question here, but I think it'll make sense as we continue on. Do you guys get a lot of spam calls? You know what I'm talking about on the phone, spam calls? And I like how there's this new feature on iPhones and maybe Androids. I don't know Android users, you can tell me, but it, it comes up and it says potential spam. I'm like, oh, not answering that, right? And sometimes they slip through, right? It'll be somebody trying to sell me insurance or my new car warranty. I'm like, oh, nice, no. Spam calls. So I want to make this analogy here, so hang with me. I think this could be helpful. When we think about 
calls and, and a calling in and for our lives, the world and our culture gives us a lot of spam calls. A lot of scam calls that try to pull us away from God's call over our life. And let's be honest, I think we pick up the phone a lot. Some, some of these calls say stuff like this. Hey, you're not enough. You have no idea what you're doing and you're going to fail. Sometimes we pick up that spam call. A call that says, you need to consume more. That's what's going to make you happy. Gather more things. That's where real and true joy is found. Calls of lust, of greed, of busyness. You're not busy enough. Pack out your schedule, right? All kinds of different spam calls. Calls that we know aren't in our best interest, but we pick up the phone anyways, and sometimes we begin to live into them. And church, you know the place where we're most susceptible to spam calls? In the wilderness. At a time when we're trying to be refined and, and shaped by God, right? We're maybe even in a place of isolation where we're trying to focus in on God's voice and his call. That's sometimes when the spam calls are the loudest. All the voices saying all these different things. So we have to focus and zero in on God's call and block the spam calls, right? And God's call is different than the world's. It is. It's much different. And I want to make this quick point here because I think it's important. God's calling for your life is not your career. It's not your profession. Sometimes when we talk about calling, we, we think about career and profession, right? That's the world's verbiage of calling, I would say. That's not God's call. Now, can God use your career and profession? Absolutely. And, it, and he should, right? But you are more than your career. And for some of us, we feel sad and anxious, right, because we've never found that calling. But really what we're talking about is the career. Because you can live into God's call for your life in all kinds of different ways. You can live into God's call uh, being a very poor person with very little or a wealthy person with great resources. You can live into God's call over your life working at Subway or working at JPL. You can. You are more than your career. And God's call for all of us is not to be rich and famous and reach the top of the business world, right? That's the American dream. That's not God's call. And that's okay, right? That's an okay thing. But that's not God's, God's calling. The calling God gives us is to love him fiercely and love others well. And as we see in Exodus 19, be his representatives to the world, right? And we can do that in all kinds of different ways. But there's a lot of spam calls out there. God is calling. We have to focus on his call. And sometimes when I think we're, as we continue kind of on this phone, this little phone analogy, sometimes I think if we pick up the phone and say it said God on the, on the phone, right? Say you answered the, the phone and it said God on it. And I think some TV show did that maybe. But I think if we pick up that phone, sometimes we believe that, that there would be judgment and shame and like a disappointed parent on the other end, right? And that's not God's call. He wouldn't say that. You know what he would say, church? He'd say, hey, right, fill in your name. Hey, I love you. I'm proud of you. You're enough. You're worthy. 
You're valuable. You're a masterpiece. And the world is better because you're in it. Now will you follow me? Will you follow me? And I know you might have some excuses and some doubts and some questions just like Moses. And that's okay. But will you follow me? Because we're going to do amazing things together. Now that's a different kind of call. That's a call I want to answer, and I did answer that call when I was eight years old in a closet in my house in Thornton, Colorado. And I continue to try and answer that call, right, church? He is calling. God is calling. Point number two, uh, called to be set apart. Verse six says, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. The Israelites leave Egypt and are a liberated people in the wilderness, God wants to use them, and they are excited. Yes, we'll do this. God's priests, his representatives. So when people would see Israel, by the way they lived, by the way they loved, by the way they worked, by the way they sought after justice, they would give people a glimpse of God. Them being a unique and different kind of people, they would be a light to the other nations. And so they agreed to the laws that would form and shape them to be this kind of people. But the problem was that Israel got out of Egypt, but Egypt never really got out of Israel. They were shaped in Egypt and the habits and the different things that formed them slowed them down constantly as they were trying to live into God's call over their life. They were shaped by the oppressive empire that held them captive for so long, right? So the various commandments that would come in the next chapter in the following books, they struggle with because they would always fall back to how they were formed and shaped in Egypt. And they struggle with the unseen promises, as Pastor Dave talked about a couple weeks ago, those unseen promises. Uh, in the wilderness, there are seven rebellion narratives um, in the book of Numbers, which is just a couple books after Exodus. Seven rebellion narratives, and there's more when you talk about Exodus and all those Times of the of Israelites just going back and forth with this calling, struggling, picking up the spam calls, right, that were coming their way. Back and forth. They were called to be a set apart people and they struggled with it. And church, you know who is called to be God's set apart people today? It's us. It's you. It's me. We're called to be a different and unique people in the world. 1 Peter 2.9 says this, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praise of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. All right, maybe you've heard that scripture before. That scripture is so similar to ours in Exodus, right? God's special possession, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. So the question for us is, are we a different people? Are we a unique people? People in the world, church. Now, I'm not talking about weird and awkward, right? Now, some of us are that, but, but I'm not necessarily talking about that, right? But a different people who are looking up to God instead of looking around, focused on Jesus and his goodness. When people come into contact with you, they should get a glimpse of Jesus. Because we're God's representatives. And do they? And if we're honest, that can be a little convicting, right? And I'm not trying to shame or guilty name us, right, because God's grace is overwhelming. But we have to realize the call and not take it lightly. 
We are God's representatives. You and I are God's set-apart people. If the, if the world doesn't see God in the church, where will they see God? Where will they come to know Jesus? Now, maybe in morality or creation, right? Maybe, yeah. But the most practical place where people will come to know God and experience Jesus is in church, right? Is in the church. And I'm not talking about a building, right? I'm talking about you and I. I'm talking about people. That's the most practical place. People will get a glimpse of God. And sometimes we miss the mark on that. We have to realize the calling. Israel continued to go back and forth on this calling. In Exodus 32, you guys might remember the story, but Moses is gone for a while talking with God, and the people start to look around, right? What's going on here? And so they end up getting all their gold together and building a golden calf, start worshiping this thing that they had just created. Because they forgot the mission, they forgot that they were called to be a set-apart people and his representatives to the world, right? because they kept falling back into the mode of Egypt, of worshiping idols and different things. So they created something and, and worshiped it. And I'm thankful we never do that, do we? We never create anything and worship it. Oh. 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 The calling is to be set apart, a set apart people for God. N.T. Wright says this about the call to be set apart. And God's representatives. This is kind of a long quote, but stay with me, church. I think it's super helpful, okay? It's on the screen here. This is N.T. Wright. The biblical version of what it means to be human, the royal priesthood vocation, is more multidimensional than either of the regular alternatives. To reflect the divine image means standing between heaven and earth, even in the present time, adoring the creator and bringing his purposes into reality on earth ahead of the time when God completes the task and makes all things new. The royal priesthood is the company of rescued humans who, being part of earth, worship the God of heaven and are thereby equipped with the breath of heaven in their renewed lungs. To work for his kingdom on earth, the revolution of the cross sets us free to be in between people, caught up in rhythm, the, the, the rhythm of worship and mission. An amazing quote, and we don't have time to dissect every little bit of it. But N.T. Wright is saying that when we grasp this idea of being God's royal priesthood, his representatives, we realize that we are rescued humans and we have God's breath in our lungs and we look forward to the restoration of all things, but we realize that it's not here yet. And so we understand we're kind of in between looking ahead to God's restoration but understanding where we are now. But here's the kicker is that we are bringing God's restoration to where we are now. His redemption or restoration plan is coming into fruition now by his people, by the way we live our lives. Does that make sense, church? We're called to be an in-between people, and that's why we don't pick up the spam calls, because we are looking forward to heaven and God's restoration plans. Our eyes locked on God, so the spam calls can be blocked, right? We're called to be in between people, God's representatives. And this calling to be representatives, God's reps, it's not just for us. Excuse me. It's not just for others. It's also for us. It's for our health. 
It's for our wholeness, right? God's set-apart people is for the world. Absolutely, how will people know that God loves them? By the way we love one another. But this call is also for us, us individually, you individually. And at times, and this may be more younger generations, maybe not, though this is probably all of us, I think we think Jesus is a killjoy. Sometimes we think God doesn't want us to have any fun. And that's wrong. Jesus wants us to have the most fun. He wants us to have the very best life we can live. And that's why we have to block the spam calls. Sometimes we think those spam calls, the voices from the outside, the world and culture will lead us to a better life. It's not true. God will lead us to the best life. He wants the very best for our life. I find young people who have given up on Jesus when they're young, 18, right, 21, somewhere around there, because they don't think God wants what's best for them. They don't think that God wants them to have any fun. They don't think that their call connects with God's. God isn't practical. And I'm so sad by those different reports that I received from friends and different people because I'm like, you're just getting started. You're just getting started. God wants the best for your life. He does. So we have to stop leaning into the spam calls, church, and lead into God's call. All right, point number three, remember who you are. So the people in our text this morning answer God with a resounding yes. A yes that says, bring on whatever. We'll go wherever. We'll be your representatives. We'll be your light to the world. And as we've talked about, they go back and forth on this calling. But here's the cool thing, church, is they have their struggles. They build idols. They do all these different things. But God continues to call them back. He doesn't let them go. Whether it's Moses or the prophets, and ultimately Jesus, God calls his people back to remember their call. Remember who you belong to. Remember who you are. And my prayer is that when we're in this, kind of talking about wilderness in this Lent series, we would remember who we are. We're God's children and his representatives. I began talking about a few movies, and I want to close here with an iconic Disney film, The Lion King. You know that movie? The Lion King. In the movie The Lion King, Simba the young lion runs away after his father, Mufasa, dies. Simba runs both from his past, thinking he's responsible for his father's death, and also from his future as the next Lion King. After spending some fun time in the jungle with Timon and Pumbaa with Hakuna Matata, you guys remember Hakuna Matata? Hakuna Matata, you know? It means no worries, you know? After spending some time in the jungle with Timon and Pumbaa with Hakuna Matata, he ends up running into an old wise monkey, Rafiki. Rafiki takes Simba to a mysterious pool, and Simba looks deep into the waters of the pool and sees his own reflection. And he's sad and discouraged by seeing his own reflection because he wanted to gather strength and direction from his father. So Rafiki says, look again at the water, and he stirs the water, and then Simba sees his father staring back at him. And Rafiki has this line where he says, he lives in you. He lives in you. 
And then the wind starts blowing and Simba jumps back and he looks up at the sky, right? The clouds form Mufasa. It's his father. And this is the part where you can't forget because it's James Earl Jones and his unmistakable voice booming, right? Simba, remember who you are. Remember that? I'm kind of doing a bad job, but <laughs> I'm trying, I'm trying. Remember who you are. And it's a, it's a great movie. We should all go watch The Lion King after this because it has a lot of great spiritual implications. It does. But Mufasa is saying to his son, remember who you are. You're my son. I love you. You're valuable and worthy, and I'm calling you to more. Don't forget your calling. And church, God's call for us is that same thing. It's the same. Remember who you are. You're God's son. You're God's daughter. You're valuable and worthy. And God loves you no matter what. And he's calling you to more. So remember who you are. Remember your calling. Remember who you belong to. Remember in the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. Remember that God is with you and he's calling you to more, church. God is calling and we must answer. And we're trying to zero in on, focus in on his voice in this season, church. And he's calling us to be his set-apart people, his unique people in the world. And that can look all different kinds of ways. Remember your calling. Remember who you are. Let's pray. Gracious God, thank you for this time. Thanks for being a God who is with us. No matter what, you are with us. And God, there is a lot of spam calls out there. Literally and figuratively. But can we lean into your voice and your calling this morning? A voice that doesn't condemn but affirms and loves. And God, maybe some of us here have never answered the call. never accepted you as Jesus Christ, as Lord and Savior, right? And if those people are here, I pray that you'd nudge on their heart this morning and have them pray these words with me. God, I want to answer your call. I want to surrender my life because I know you'll take care of it. I'm a sinner. I'm broken. I repent of my sins. Please forgive me, Lord. I believe you died for my sins and rose again and conquered sin and death. Would you come into my life and change me from the inside out? I want to live for you the rest of my days. And God, for those who maybe said that prayer for the first time, whether it's here or online, would you encourage them? And would we be the body of Christ who surrounds them and loves them? And God, for the rest of us, would we answer the call again this morning? Remember the call. Remember who you are. Can we lean into that this morning? As we block out the spam calls and we zero in on your call over our life, God, to be your representatives to a world that's in need. The world is in need, and we have to go be your hands and feet. So my prayer for all of us is that we would remember the call and accept the call. 
And wherever we go, we would be God's agents of redemption in a world in need. Thank you, Jesus, for this time. Thank you so much for this opportunity. We love you. Amen. Hey, a quick thing. If you did end up saying that prayer for the very first time, would you find me or find one of the pastors and just talk to us? We'd love to talk to you about that. Thank you, church. Love you guys. Thanks for joining us at the Montrose Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at www.montrosechurch.org. Have a great day.